We are safe. Look at this. It's 105. No more April Fool's jokes. I don't know if there were any this year. Tom Brady tried one. Quarterback of the New England Patriots apparently set up a fake Twitter account and tried to tell people he was retiring. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, why? I don't I don't get April Fool's jokes because I, I don't know. I don't know if you can do a good one. All the good ones have been done. I think that's the problem. We're at a lull for April Fool's, don't you find? Did you do anything today or have anything done to you? It's hard when April Fool's is on a Monday as well because you've got a lot of stuff going on. Weekend has just ended. Hey, can we not back this up to Saturday or something? April Fool's should be a Saturday if you really want it to be effective or a Friday night. That's when April Fool's would be really effective. Having it just on a designated day, I don't think that gets it done. I don't think we're we're in a, a heyday for practical jokes. We may be able to uncover some as we go along today. If you were able to pull off a joke today and you would like to let the world know how successful it was, please feel free to call us. We will give you all of the airtime that you need on London Live to explain what you were able to do, who you were able to fool, and why your joke may have been the best April Fool's joke of the day. Certainly you can top Tom Brady and his I'm retiring. That... That's the baseline right there. Everything has to go above that. 519-643-2222. You can email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at Stubbs980. We have a lot of things happening. Today almost feels like an April Fool's gag all on its own. Hey, carbon tax goes into effect. April Fool's. Hey, gas prices are going up. April Fool's. Hey, you can buy pot from stores. Legally, even in London, April Fool's, doesn't that sound like it matches? Don't you think those should have all been April Fool's jokes? No, actually, you can buy pot from a store at Wonderland in Oxford, and a little later on in the show, we'll find out what the inside of the store looks like. Aren't you curious? I mean, if you say, hey, that store is selling buckets, you can kind of picture the inside of it. Well, there'd be a lot of buckets. So that's what they sell. But the inside of a pot store, what do, you, do you have, you know, big things of marijuana hanging from the ceiling, drying out in one section? Is there hemp clothing in another section? Is that what we're dealing with? I don't think so. I don't think it's like that at all. In fact, I kind of know it's not because I've seen the pictures. You can go to our 980 CFPL Twitter feed or you can go to Leanie Lambrink's Twitter feed because she was there and she'll fill us in. But we're going to talk about that. We are also going to talk about something else that sounds like an April Fool's joke that isn't even the carbon tax. It is apparently changing the license plate slogan in Ontario. How far back can you go? Did you own a Keep It Beautiful? And then it was yours to discover. And now it sounds like a joke. And I still think in some way it's going to be. But it hasn't been yet. Open for business. Are you kidding me? We'll talk about that in a half hour from now. Marilyn, how are you on this fine Monday? <laughs> Not too bad. Thank you. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> I can't wait to find out. I've never heard you laugh like this. I break it. <laughs> April Fool. <laughs> <laughs> Marilyn, you just proved that April Fool's jokes can still be effective. I didn't well, see that one coming. Well, it's past doom, so it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> it my was worth God. doing. It was worth doing. Well, I'm telling you at my age, no, 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 no. 
When was the last time you were you were fooled or pranked on April Fools? Has it been a well, while? I, Are people still doing this? Oh heavens, yes. Yeah. Uh, now, I that would be maybe about five years ago. I phoned my son-in-law and told him that there was a bear outside on the front lawn, and he believed it. He said, "No kidding." He said, well, of course, bears now are coming down this way, you know. Hey, they want the garbage. Yeah. Okay, so So that was about five years ago. Yeah, and I said, oh, wait, pro fool. But you can't fool people today. They're too smart. Maybe that's what it is. Marilyn? I mean, you you know at 84 that (laughs) I'm not going to have any more children. Well, you are too wise for most of us, so thank you for that, and you enjoy the rest of your April Foolless Monday now that we've made it past the magic hour. Have a great day. Okay, dear, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We are going to talk license plates. We are going to get into carbon tax because... You know, here's the issue. People are going to call this a money grab, and in a way, they're right. They're absolutely right. But here's why. If you're going to get someone to change their habits, you really have to come down on them. You really have to force them into doing it. We're not all that dissimilar from mice and rats that run around in mazes. We like to think we are. We're not. And in order to teach a mouse or a rat that's running through a maze to do something, you have to introduce a pretty significant positive or negative stimulus, right? Well, we need that. Raising gas prices by six cents is not going to accomplish anything. It's going to bring in more money, yes. That's why you can say, hey, this is a tax grab or this is a money grab. That's how you're right. This is not going to force anyone to do anything. I remember having a great conversation with Marv a little while ago. And Marv had said to me, you know, they could raise gas prices to $200 a liter. Based in the business he was in at that point, he would have to pay it. It didn't matter. He needed to move around in a vehicle. So there was nothing that was going to change his habit. He would then have to find a way to afford $200 a liter. So bumping it up six cents a liter, that's not going to do anything. This is not getting people to change their habits. If it was $200 a liter, sure, that would get people to change their habits. That would get people dumping their vehicles immediately. I don't know what we would do, but that's the kind of thing you need to do. This this is not saving the earth. This is not changing anything. And To be honest, I'm all for saving the earth. I dread the day that 2030 arrives or 2050 arrives or some point in between there that all the scientists have been telling us about that we are going to see a degree and a half rise come to fruition. We're going to be at the point where we can't turn back and our world is going to become a very different place. I firmly believe that's happening. But in order to make us change, We have to have something that is going to force us into making that change. This is not a good enough positive or negative stimulus. This is not doing anything. No one is going to change. We're going to gripe a little bit more because instead of paying $1.06 at the pumps, we're going to be paying $1.11 or $12 at the pumps. Instead of paying $1.10, we're going to be paying $1.16 or $17. I've seen pumps in various spots. Some pumps seem to be trying to take advantage of the fact that gas prices could go up. But this isn't going to fix anything. It isn't going to change anything. That's just my mind. In a moment, we'll talk with someone who can shed some insight into this, who's been able to look at a poll and can maybe help us fill in some gaps with what we do and do not know about this brand new carbon tax. It's in place, 
and not because it's April Fool's, because this isn't a joke. And nothing else that we're going to be talking about today sits in that joke category either, except if we find a good April Fool's story. If you've got one, if you're able to prank someone, Marilyn just did it to me. Give us a call, let us know. Email mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can call 519-643-2222. We'll take a quick break and return in a moment with Michael Bernstein, Senior Vice President of Canadians for Clean Prosperity, as we talk carbon tax on London Live. This is Global News Radio, 980CFPL. Not April Fool's, carbon tax. Not April Fool's. It is in place. We knew it was coming. It shouldn't be a surprise. It has... Kind of caused the rise in gas prices that we saw this morning by, what, six, seven cents, unless somebody decided to put it up 16 or 17. We did see that, too. That's fine. But what does this all mean? What is it all doing? Well, let's try and figure this out, because a poll was done with the University of Toronto's Lowen Lab that found that there's a lot of support and acceptance for carbon pricing in certain areas, and we thought, well, maybe we can shed some light on why that might be and what this could end up doing. Because in my mind, if you want to call it a money grab, you can. You know, it's not necessarily that. It is forcing people to look at maybe how how they operate in terms of heating their homes or driving their vehicles. But in the end, is this going to make a big difference? I think you'd have to go big. I think we needed a 25 cent rise in gas prices. You needed something big, something that is going to force people to really evaluate it, not a trickle. You need to turn on the hose. That's just me. Joining us right now is the Senior Vice President of Canadians for Clean Prosperity on Carbon Tax, Michael Bernstein. Michael, thanks so much for taking some time to speak with us. My pleasure. Good to be here. I keep thinking this is not enough, that if you really want to make people do something, you need to do more. When you look at what the federal government has rolled out in four provinces now that that weren't really into doing this in the first place, how do you read it? I think it's a great first step. I think we know and Canadians have acknowledged that we need to do something about climate change. This is an urgent problem. It's costing us money today. It's going to cost us even more in the future. So we have to do something, and I think this is the right first step. And uh, to your point, you've said, well, maybe we need to take greater action. Well, I think it's key for people to know that this is, this is a, a multi-year program that we're starting today at $20 a ton. It's going to rise every year by $10 a ton. So it's going to gradually and gently rise, giving people a chance to make behavior change over time. And then importantly, um, all of this money is going back to families and to businesses. So it's going to make it uh, it's going to make it affordable, and it's going to allow people to make their own choices about uh, how they want to respond to the increase in price. And in going back, that's where you're indicating it's supposed to come back by way of income tax. That's right. So people would have started to receive this already. Um, we know that uh, the average family of four, for example, in Ontario, is going to receive $307 back as a rebate on their taxes. So those who have already filed their taxes would have received that already. Uh, others will receive it in the coming one or two months. Um, and what that means is that uh, the government's actually estimated that 8 in 10 households in Ontario are actually going to receive more back in rebates than they're going to have to pay in any added gas costs, heating costs, etc. Okay, so that's 8 in 10, and that should have us feeling 
happy about this. Can we can we really believe that this is how it's going to roll out? Because sometimes, you know, we're told, hey, it's going to do this, it's going to do this. And then later on, somebody does the math and they say, yeah, well, it didn't quite meet the expectations <laughs> that we thought it would. How how confident are you that all of this will play out as it's supposed? Well, people are already receiving those rebates. So if you filed your taxes, that 307 uh, could be in your account today. Uh, if not, it will be there very soon. So I'm, I'm very confident the government's announced this. And I think you're also referencing whether this is going to have an impact on emissions. So on that, let me quickly say that uh, we have a, a great example of that already in Canada. British Columbia has had this policy in place, a very similar policy, uh, for over a decade. And we know there's, it's been widely studied that emissions have gone down. And not only have they gone down, but British Columbia has actually been the fastest growing economy in Canada over that same period. So what you've had is uh, a policy that's reduced emissions, it hasn't hurt the economy, and it's, and it's also been affordable for families because the money has gone back to them. We're talking with Michael Bernstein, Senior Vice President of Canadians for Clean Prosperity on Carbon Tax. Just got an email from Al, and Al says, I agree that we are changing our climate. I disagree with the way that we're doing it. We need alternatives to fossil fuels that are real and affordable, not a carbon tax that changes nothing but the price of everything. What are your thoughts on, on that line of thinking? Yeah, well, what I would say is we know that this is a a fair and affordable way to take action on climate. We know we have to do something. It sounds like your listener agrees with that premise. And when we look at all the alternatives, we know this is the lowest cost way to do things. It gives individuals and businesses the freedom to respond to the price the way they want. So if you feel you can't make changes right away, that's okay. The money is coming back to you, allowing it to be affordable. But we know that some people will take the incentive of a higher price to reduce their emissions. It's worked, as I say, in BC, um, and I have every expectation it will work here. So uh, if we are going to take action on climate, we know this is the fairest, most affordable, and most effective way to do that. Michael, I always wonder, and this this would be kind of a, a global picture, I kind of compare doing something in terms of the environment and I, I really believe that we have to do something, otherwise our world's not going to look the way we want it to, and we're going to have some severe problems. I firmly believe that. But I always liken it to raking your leaves in either the spring or the fall. If you rake your leaves on your lawn, you get it looking spick and span, and everything's fine. There isn't a leaf on it. You've bagged them up. They're going to go to the right place. And then the next day, the wind blows, and your neighbors who haven't done a thing have their leaves blow onto your lawn, and it looks like you need to start all over again. How much of a global picture is needed in something like this, and how concerned should we be that not everybody's on board around the globe? So absolutely, this is a global challenge, and we need people all around the world to take action. But we also have to recognize that Canada has to do its part. So what Canada can do um, is reduce its own emissions, and we can lead from ahead. So look at how we handled acid rain, for example. That was an international problem, and what we did was we got ahead of the problem, we took action, and that encouraged the United States to take their own action and solve the problem. The other point I would make quickly here is that the rest of the world actually is taking action. Um, If you look at the United States as an example, sure, we know that uh, President Trump has been 
um, has been very reluctant, to say the least, to take action. But actually, what's not well understood is a third of the U.S. economy actually already has carbon pricing, uh, uh, states like California, for example. Uh, and if you look at China, even, uh, which is often cited, China is taking action on carbon pricing. They actually have a cap-and-trade system that went into place last year, which is the largest system in the entire world. So the world is taking action on this because uh, we, need, we know we need to act and moreover, this can be actually an economic opportunity to transition into renewable energy, to a cleaner economy. So as Canada, we not only want to take action because it's the right thing to do, but we don't want to be left behind as the rest of the world takes action. So don't be left standing without a rake in your hand. Show everybody else that you're raking. Maybe they'll rake too. And not only that, but the rest of the world is starting to rake. And, <laughs> uh, and the investment is going to go, if we're going to extend the metaphor, uh, to houses that have clean lawns. Right, so do we want to be one of those? Do we want to be a place where uh, investment is going to come? I mean, look, we, the World Bank has said that this transition to cleaner energy and to a cleaner economy is a $23 trillion, with a T, trillion dollar opportunity over the next decade. Um, the Canadian economy could benefit from that. We already have about, uh, about almost 300,000 jobs in the clean energy sector. So there really is an economic opportunity here. Um, but the, but the, the initial imperative, I would say, is we have to take action if we want to protect our planet. Michael Bernstein, Senior Vice President of Canadians for Clean Prosperity, joining us as we talk about carbon tax, which we now have, courtesy of the federal government, in the province of Ontario. Uh, Michael, before we let you go, you did look at how people were feeling about this, and you referenced this a little earlier on, but you did a poll with Lowen Lab of the University of Toronto. What did you find from that when you were asking people about a carbon tax? We found that the policy is supported that we found that Canadians, uh, particularly Ontarians, um, and those, I, I, you know, I looked this morning at some of the data specific to London, Sarnia, Windsor area, and the data there is consistent too. What we found is 60% of people right off the bat say, yeah, we think this policy, carbon pricing and rebates, makes sense. Uh, and then if you actually, very interestingly, if you go and talk to those who say they oppose the policy, and you just give them some basic of facts about the policy, for example, tell them, did you know that all the money is going back to individuals and businesses? that actually switches the opinions of half of people who oppose the policy. So in other words, people who just said they don't agree with the policy, once they understand it, half of them actually switch to supporting it. So I think that's a good sign that um, people are recognizing we have to do something on climate change. This is an urgent situation. And if we're going to take action, this is a, a key next step. It's uh, fair, it's affordable, and, and we know it will work. You've done a lot of research into worst-case scenarios. What are you most afraid of if we don't start to really and truly get something done? For me, it's the food crisis. I think what's not talked about often is the fact that with every degree of warming, we're going to have 10% less food on the planet. And that's all happening while we know the world is growing its population to, to 9 billion people. So um, floods, wildfires, droughts, all those things are absolutely concerning, and those are happening today. But if we fast forward a couple of decades, we could be in a situation where there are food shortages, and that's, uh, that's certainly not a future that I want to leave to my kids. Michael, we really appreciate all your time today. Thank you. Thanks. That is Michael Bernstein. Senior Vice President of Canadians for Clean Prosperity on Carbon Tax. I mean, these are legitimate things that are out there in the future, and that's, that's the hardest part about anything anymore. We have to say, yeah, this, this isn't going to really affect us for another 10, 15, 20 years. 
And that's where things become pretty difficult to to reach out and touch. And that's sometimes the hardest thing. If you can reach out and touch something, if if I'm walking up a sidewalk and I trip and I look down and the sidewalk is uneven, well, then we need to fix that because the sidewalk is uneven. So what do we do about that? Well, we call the city. We get something done right now. This is like fighting performance-enhancing drugs. I mean, you have stats. You, you, can, you, can, you can know that the scientists are saying yes, but you can't look out and say, yeah, we've got that food crisis. Or, yeah, here's what's happening now that is making this part of the world completely unlivable. And that's the biggest challenge in all of this. 519-643-2222. Got time for a call or two. Jeff, you are up first. Hey, Jeff. Hello, how are you, Mike? Not too bad. Good. Following up on your caller uh, or your speaker you just uh, interviewed, mm-hmm. um, I have had my taxes done. I live in London, and if you live in London, you're not entitled to that tax rebate based on your geographic location and the size of the city. Really? Wait yes. a minute. And you're not entitled. You were told you were not entitled to it based on the fact that what London's too big or too small. So how I know this is that when I had my taxes done by a firm. Uh, to do my taxes, I have rental properties in smaller locations outside the city, say, uh, let's say Woodstock area, Ingersoll area. And at that time, uh, I actually had it put onto my file to have the $300 returned into my uh, CRA account uh, when the tax came back. And then they relooked it and they made sure and then they took it away from me because of where I live. Huh. And again, you don't know whether it's too big or too small? It's London's capacity, that's people, and then they're trying to, right now, just isolate it to the smaller communities to kind of implement into the community, say, in place, say, Oxford County, Elgin County, the smaller base populations to mandate that, work with the, work with the consumer there, and then hopefully expand it into the larger volume cities. Interesting. So that, that was a fact on my tax return just less than a month ago. Jeff, really appreciate the call. We'll look into that. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye-bye. All right, we've got to take a break for news. If you're on hold, please stay with us. If you want to weigh in on carbon tax or effective carbon tax or what your biggest fear is going forward, whether it is, hey, one day we are going to wake up and have a food shortage. There's a lot of other things that go into that. One of the things that Al had pointed out in his email was we do have a population issue on this planet. And we're going to continue to have that. We're, we're seeing still growth, growth, growth. And they feel that one day it will level off someday around 2050. Don't know what's going to make that level off. 519-643-2222. Back with more after news. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Good afternoon. It is 1.30. I'm Jacqueline LaBelle in downtown London. Partly cloudy skies, minus 1 degree, minus 4 with the wind chill. By the time it finally opened its doors this morning, Central Cannabis had a line of roughly 100 people waiting outside, waiting to buy pot from London's first brick-and-mortar store. Jason Geldhoff, the first customer at London's first cannabis store, is going to hang on to his $81 receipt. This is going to get hung on my wall. It's going to get put in a frame and hung on the wall. It's receipt number two. I'm assuming number one was their test. Geldof drove all the way from Godrich to be the first in line at Central Cannabis. The province planned to have 25 stores open across the province today, but only 10 are actually ready to serve customers. 
According to the Alcohol and Gaming Commission of Ontario, a numbered company owns Tweed in London South End, while J London plans to open on Richmond Row. But those two locations are still navigating the lengthy approval processes. London police have confirmed another inmate death at the city's problem plague jail. Officers say the male inmate died yesterday afternoon. There is no word on his name, age, or the cause of his death. Officers say they are assisting the coroner in the investigation. Ontario's premier says there is no reason to believe Canadians will recoup the cost of the federal carbon tax that takes effect today. Doug Ford, whose progressive conservative government is fighting the tax in court, says he doesn't trust Ottawa to make good on its promise to provide rebates to businesses and residents of the provinces where the tax is kicking in. The feds imposed the tax in Ontario, Manitoba, Saskatchewan and New Brunswick after those provinces opted not to impose their own pricing schemes on carbon emissions. Police say a 54-year-old Chatham woman has died after a collision with a Via Rail train yesterday. It was around 2.30 when police and other emergency crews were called to Keel Drive. On scene, they found a southbound vehicle cross the railway tracks and was hit by the eastbound train. Responding officers pulled the driver and lone occupant out of the vehicle. She was rushed to Chatham Kent Health Alliance, where officers say she succumbed to her injuries. No one on board the train was hurt. Police say the driver was a 54-year-old Chatham woman. Her name won't be released out of respect for her family. You're listening to 980 CFPL. It is April Fool's Day. You can't be fooling anybody anymore because it's afternoon. I don't know who made up that rule. Thank you for making up that rule. Otherwise, we'd be looking over our shoulder all day. At least you only deal with the people who get up early in the morning. Uh, we have looked into what Jeff was talking about. You give something to the 980 CFPL news team. I basically walked out and I said, hey, can we look this up and look at this? Not only were they able to perform a newscast, Jacqueline LaBelle was able to do that. We also have research done and here's what we know immediately in terms of what Jeff was talking about. And if you weren't joining us about... Ten minutes ago, Jeff called in and said that he had heard from the firm that did his taxes that he was not eligible for the rebate that was being talked about because London is too large a community. Here's what we've found out. And, Jeff, you are right, but you're going to be happy. Okay? You're right, but you're going... Look at that. How do we give a win-win like that? Here's what our 980 CFPL newsroom has uncovered. You get $154 for a single adult or the first adult in a couple, okay? Then you get $77 back for the second adult in a couple. Single parents receive the amount for their first child. You get $38 for each child in a family. Therefore, and this is what they've been telling us for a long time now, an Ontario family of four receives the $307 that our guest Michael Bernstein referenced. So you get that. Now... Here's what Jeff was talking about. There is an additional rebate, and it is for small and rural communities. So you get the initial rebate, but Jeff, what may have happened is there may have been an application for this supplemental rebate, and that, again, is for small and rural communities. The supplement is an additional 10% of the payment amount to which you are entitled, and that, because you are in London, may have been clawed back by the government. 
because London, yes, is too big. But you should still get that 307. So if that didn't happen, then make sure that you still have that 307 somewhere. Back to the phones we go. 519-643-2222. Richard, how are things? Good afternoon, Mike. How are you this afternoon? I'm fantastic. I just want to say one thing, if you're listening to me, Taz. You might have been voted right as the number one media personality in the city of London. But I'll tell you, if they ever had a contest for the number one sport, personality in London, Mike Stubbs would definitely get... Oh, Richard, get, you're too nice. You would definitely get my vote. Let's put it this way, Mike, you're no Foster Hewitt, but you're one heck of a <laughs> fine sportscaster. Richard, thank you. I'm going to put you down for number one radio caller. You and Marilyn, I would vote for both of you. Well, I just want to say... On March the 7th, right, of this year, the wife and I, even though I don't support the carbon tax, the wife and I did receive our $231 for the two of us, and we are residents of London. And the one other thing I just want to say, Mike, uh, this message is mainly for senior citizens out there. To any senior citizen, he or she, who's wishing to relive their youth, right, from the 1960s, I want you to remember the marijuana today is not the same stuff, right, that you and I grew up with and you and I smoked, right? And another thing I would advise you is don't listen to your friends, don't listen to your neighbors, don't listen to your coworkers, right, or your relatives. When it comes to taking marijuana today, and you're, if you're on a lot of medications, consult your pharmacist, right? Because he or she, right, they know the drugs right perfectly. Have a five-minute consultation with them and ask them, what strain would be good for me, right, with a THC? Would it interact with any of my other medications? Once you find out, right, that it's safe to take, and if you can't take the word of your pharmacist, right, then obviously there's something dreadfully wrong. But my message to all senior citizens, I don't want to hear in the news that some senior citizen, right, got severely hurt, right, because of it. So, like I said, consult your pharmacist, right, before you decide to relive your youth. I certainly will be doing that if I decide, right, that I want to relive my youth one day. Other than that, Mike, you have a good day. You have a great day. Richard, thanks for the advice. Very, very good tips. We're going to be talking marijuana later on on the show. Back to the phones we go. 519-643-2222. Bob, how are things? I would give you a vote, too, Bob. You're a very dedicated caller. (laughs) Well, I might not be on the positive side of things most time. I don't, I don't think I'm one of your most popular callers, but hey. I you just, make for good talk radio because you see things the way you see them. Well, I just voice my opinion on the facts that I know. I mean, that, that's my opinion. I, I respect everybody's opinion. Oh, well, just to let, quickly on Richard there, don't worry about it. Uh, everybody's going to be fine. My dad's been taking it uh, for five years. He's a senior citizen. He's he's doing fine. Actually, he's doing a lot better. Never a bad thing to check with a physician, though. I like Richard. No, no, tip. absolutely not. No, but he did. Oh, he did. Yeah, but it's it's safe. You know, he's got to use common sense like anything. You know, it's like don't go drinking 150 proof rum and you won't die. You know, don't don't go smoking a pound of weed in a half an hour and you'll be fine. But uh, no, just on the uh, climate change thing. Uh, you know, I it may not be a April Fool's or April Fool's joke, Mike, but nonetheless, it's a joke in my. You know what? Uh, here again, this is my opinion. This is the biggest hoax Ponzi scheme almost of all time. Like, it's bigger than the Russian collusion Ponzi scheme. Now, people, I've had this debate with many people. I've looked at all the evidence, and, you know, everybody talks about the scientists who, who are saying this is actually occurring. But nobody's talking about the scientists that actually don't believe it. Like, you know, there's opposing scientists and, and evidence out there that it's not going to happen. 
like the way they're telling us it's going to happen. This is well, yeah, we've got opposing scientists for the Big Bang theory and creationism, and you know sure. the fact that the dinosaurs didn't die by way of a great big asteroid. We got opposing views on everything, but you know what? I I look at the science and where it's coming from. I'm akin to believe that we're going to be in a, a world of hurt if we don't watch out. Well, but how 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 are they going to know that? You see. The, they, what they give you, what they feed you, is, is this uh, these computer models, right? They can't get the weather right half the time, right? And they're telling and they're telling me that in 50 years. Oh no! Then you got people like Cortez, uh, Alexander Ocasio Cortez in the states, telling everybody the world's going to end in 12 years. Like, I mean, this is mass hysteria, ridiculous. And all it is is a bunch of hype to get in your pockets and my pockets and every other taxpayer's pockets. Because you know what? Even if it were true, I'll entertain that thought for a second here. Even if it was true, what's the plan to fix it? There's none, Mike. There's no plan. Now, like I said before, if, you, if people are that concerned about it, sell your house, sell everything you own, your iPhone, your fridge, every, every amenity that you have that makes your life comfortable, and go live like a homesteader. All right. Get up in the morning for 16 hours, 20 hours a day and survive on the land and you'll have no footprint. Now, let's get realistic here. Not a lot of people people are going to live in a tent for three days without curling up and sucking (laughs) their thumbs. You know, like I I lived like that almost like uh, about 90 percent years ago. And believe me, it's hard. Oh, yeah. Very difficult. Very difficult to do. So all these people waving their flags about, like, we got to save the planet, but not one of them. All the hypocrites, the hypocrites are just out there in mass force. Not one of them will give anything up, your makeup. You know, all these things you get up in the morning and do, and you, like, realistically, it's not going to happen because everything that you own is manufactured somewhere, everything. So China's the biggest culprit, all right? So... This planet has gone through many, many ice ages, many ice ages, as a matter of fact, in the time of Trump. Many climate changes, exactly. yes. Exactly. They, they're just pinning this on, hoping everybody's going to buy this and, 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 and buy into it and, and give up their money and run around like the world's going to end and, and, and not sleep at night. You know what, Mike? In 2030 and 2050, we're still around. We'll sit around and have a beer and we'll laugh at all this, just like the Russian collusion. This is just continuously happens with these people, and I don't know why. Bob, I'd love to meet with you in 20 years to see what's going on, and we will have that beer. Thanks <laughs> yeah, for the call. Okay. We'll be alive and fine, Mike, no problem. I hope I so. I assure you. Take care. <laughs> 519-643-2222. One more call, and then we've got to take a break, but we'll continue the conversation. We'll say hi to Al. Al, how you doing? Okay, Mike, how you doing? Pretty good. Um, hey, I, I got a, a, a question. The the, this climate change issue that we're having here, it's bigger than this because if you look back 10, 15 years ago, when remember when gas was like a buck 40, buck 50, buck 60 mm-hmm. in summers, our economy dropped right off. Well, once again, fuel is driving up, which everything that we get, we own, depends on fuel of some sorts, whether it's natural gas, it's electricity, it's fuel for our vehicles. Sure. And all of that gets passed on through. The transportation of all of that, and it's been well documented, the transportation of delivering all that stuff, the added cost gets passed on to the price. Now, if you look on the street out there, most dealerships, most car companies now like Chrysler, Ford, are dropping all the cars. 
which are the fuel-saving vehicle, which is reality, because now 90% of the vehicles out there are SUVs or trucks, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Sedan is kind of going away. Pardon me? The sedan is kind of going away. Oh, I know. And now when they start pulling up the pumps with those vehicles, it's about a buck thirty, buck forty this summer, they're saying. Are they going to be traveling, which is going to put our economy into a stop again? And once that starts happening, we start losing jobs, we start losing everything. One thing we don't remember is 40 years ago, when we purchased stuff, it was usually Canadian-made or American-made. It wasn't global like it is today. Today is global, and we have to look at every other country and decide what step they're taking if Canada decides to be a competitor in that. If we aren't being a competitor globally, we're going to go straight into a recession and possibly a depression, and then we're going to be in trouble. And globally, these countries are not doing the carbon taxing like we're doing here. So we're, we're, we're taxing ourselves right out of the global economy. There's no reason our fuel and expenses is going, our, our hydro and gas is going that expensive. And this is just an add to it. We're in trouble. Al, you raise an excellent argument, and, and it's a scary one at the same time. But I'm with you that not everybody on the planet is doing things, and I raised that with Michael Bernstein. He seemed a little more optimistic, but he's in he's in an optimistic spot. Um, so I, I'm with you that not everybody is doing what they need to be doing, and I still hold my, my metaphor that it's like raking your leaves on the lawn. If not everybody's doing it, we're still going to be in trouble. And you're right. If, if we do raise prices on things, it does cut down on the amount of travel. It does cut down on the amount of buying and then that brings our economy to the standstill that we tried to get it going from even back in 2008 al thanks for the call yeah thanks Thanks, take care we'll take a break we'll come back we'll continue to talk about this you can email mike at 980cfpl.ca you can give us a call 519-643-2222 you can tweet me at stubs 980 this is london live and global news radio 980 cfpl We have been talking carbon tax on the show so far today. Lots of other topics coming up. We will talk about the latest death at the Elgin Middlesex Detention Center and see if we can get more details on it because we're going to be speaking with the lawyer who apparently will be handling the case. We're just working out some details that way. That'll be in about 20 minutes from now. We'll talk marijuana. We'll see what else we can get to. London Sports Celebrity Dinner and Auction takes place tonight in support of the Thames Valley Children's Center. And we'll see what comes up from that. You never know. Anything can happen on this show, and a lot of times it's thanks to you. Give us a call right now if you want to weigh in on this, 519-643-2222. Email mike at 980cfpl.ca. Ron, how are you? Hey, Mike. It's not about the carbon tax that I'm calling. Okay. But anyway, before we go any further, can I make a comment on the uh, pot shop guy? Yeah, you sure can. Yeah, it's brilliant that the guy uh, opened it up where McGinnis Landing was Mm -hmm. on Wonderland. Right next next to a mini-mart. Right next to Little Caesars. And on the other side is Wimpy's Hamburgers, and across the parking lot is a freaking liquor store. <laughs> That's true, too. And don't forget the Mini Mart. There's a Mini Mart there, too. So I was thinking chips and chocolate bars. It's brilliant. <laughs> Ron, that's hilarious. But Thanks anyway, for that. I called for um, an April Fool's joke. Okay. About three or four years ago, I was on a chat list, and they had between 50 and 100 people on it. And I had written this uh, it would have taken you a couple of minutes to read the email. I had them believing that I was going to meet Tom Petty. He was going to take me to a concert that he called me in the middle of the night looking for me. <laughs> okay. And and so I had two or three people. Did he pick you up in a limo? Yes. <laughs> Did he take you to a concert? Yes. Did he give you tickets to uh, backstage? Yes. Finally, somebody caught on, and it's like, have a nice trip falling down the stairs. Uh <laughs> But you did make the joke work for a little while. Absolutely. 
Ron, thanks for the call. Yeah, later, man. <laughs> Have a great day. 519-643-2222. John, how are things? Good. How are you? Not bad. Good. I tell you something, this carbon tax, what really bothers me about it is they aren't telling the truth. Okay. How do you feel Canada, they're not telling the truth? Canada is carbon neutral, and I'm going to read you some facts. Okay. With the boreal forest and all of the other forests in Canada, there's 594.7 billion trees. Canada produces 559 megatons of carbon dioxide a year. In order to capture that and clean that, you need 25.9 billion trees. And we're well over that, according to those numbers. So we're well over that. So I don't disagree that pollution is, is there. But what they need to be doing is going after the countries that aren't doing anything. Canada's doing more than their part. And I'll tell you, when clear-cutting was abolished and they had to replant, this was the exact reason why they went in and made all of these tree fat, like the tree farms and the paper products and all of these forestry products, why they made them replant. So we've already done our part. This is a tax grab. You want to do something for the world, you want to do something for climate change, go after the countries that aren't doing anything and aren't reversing their carbon dioxide output. They are like the people on our streets that are not raking their leaves. Eventually their leaves wind up on your property. And, and why should that problem become ours? We aren't going to solve climate change by taxing Canadians, taxing Americans, when our production of carbon dioxide is lower than what we're producing in oxygen. It's the other countries that aren't doing anything. Go after them. Leave my pocketbook alone. John, thanks for the call. See, I mean, you're going to get a whole lot of sides to it. I still go back to my original point. If you want people to do something, you really have to force their hand. As John says, we got to be forcing the right hands here. And that is my concern, that there are countries that are not doing anything. And, you know, I think it was Bob who brought it up saying, now we've got an entirely global world and we didn't have that 20 years ago even. Definitely not 30 years ago, where we want to be able to buy something and have it on our doorstep that next day. And that something could be coming from China. And you want it cheap. So that something usually is coming from China or the Philippines or Laos or wherever these tiny countries are. And are they working out big time carbon plants? No, I don't think they are. Not from what I read, not from what I see, not in the same way. So. I'm going to stick by my metaphor of the leaves on the lawn. And it's not that I don't want to rake my lawn because I'm still going to rake it, but I still get really disappointed when the other leaves blow onto my property and I got to rake again. We'll continue to do our part. You know we will. We are going to pay more. Al was making a lot of sense in the slow of the economy. Uh, I hope someone's put some thought into that because that's a big time concern. Let's take a break. We'll let you know what's coming up in hour two of the show next. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. If you've been listening to 980 CFPL News, you know there has been another death at the Elgin Middlesex Detention Center. I don't want this to be the same old chorus. I don't want this to be the same old song that's being sung. Because this is somebody's life. We're going to talk about it with a lawyer who is well-versed 
in that same song and that same chorus and that same verse. Kevin Egan is going to join us after 2 o'clock, and we'll look at what we need to know about this. We'll also talk marijuana and more. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. This hour, we will talk marijuana. I also need your help with something a little later on this hour. London and Guelph are playing a playoff series in the Ontario Hockey League, and there has been a suggestion that we should have a friendly wager between the London Knights radio guy, that's me, and the Guelph Storm radio guy, that's Larry Malott. Great guy in Guelph. We both happen to work for the same parent company, Chorus Radio. We're both very happy Chorus employees. And that we should have some kind of friendly wager. And one suggestion was the losing guy has his face professionally painted in the colors of the other team. And you have to stay that way for an entire day. Okay. I don't mind that one. Uh, another suggestion was shave your eyebrows. I don't, I would rather shave my head. I will shave my head. No problem. I don't want to shave my eyebrows because sometimes eyebrows don't go grow back right. Isn't that true? So you don't want to necessarily shave your eyebrows. Shave my head, no problem. Shave and you go at it, leave my eyebrows. Uh, that was suggested. If you have any other thoughts, if you've ever done friendly wagers or you just want to see me look silly, uh, then send them in. Mike at 980cfpl.ca. What would be a good friendly wager, radio guy to radio guy, between London and Guelph, happy family, parent company, what should we do? What does the winner get? What does the loser have to do? If you have any ideas, I think we'll take them for the next few days, and then we'll see if we can make this work. Game one is Friday. Knights take on the storm. Budweiser Gardens. There are going to be tickets available. 519-643-2222 if you have any ideas. But to get those tickets, 519-681-0800. You can go online to LondonKnights.com, or you can certainly drop by the London Knights Armory. So... We'll see what we come up with between now and then. I don't mind the the face painting one, and I don't mind the head shave one. And really, those are two of the three that have been suggested so far. So this isn't half bad so far. I'm sure it'll get interesting. This hour, we are going to talk marijuana. Our 980 CFPL reporter, Lini Lambrink, is going to join us. She actually saw the inside of the marijuana shop, and she'll tell us what it was that she saw. Let's go to the phones. Is this an idea already? This is quick for ideas. Normally, you've got to plan these out. Craig, what do you have? How about full body wax from the neck down? Full body wax from the neck. That hurts, doesn't it? Full body wax from the neck down. Can I go I like... Know. I don't know, but I'm curious to find out. <laughs> neck to waist? Could I stop at the waist? Or you're saying, no, this this is going all the way down. I'm going full hobbit right down to the toes. Ooh, full hobbit. Okay. All right. I've written it down on the sheet. So it will be pitched to a committee. And who knows? That committee... That committee usually likes the most fun one, so I think yours has already risen right near the top. Craig, thanks for the call. <laughs> he just wants to find out how painful it is. Okay. I, uh, I'd do it. I'll do just about anything. Just leave my eyebrows alone. That's it. Uh, we have a few other things that we are going to get to on the show. It is the London Sports Celebrity Dinner and Auction tonight in support of the Thames Valley Children's Center. 
And this is a tremendous event. This is already in its 63rd year. Doesn't it seem like we were just celebrating the 50th anniversary? You know what? We were. 13 years ago, we were doing that. And now, 63rd. Ray Bork is in town right now. Big hello to Ray Bork. John Gibbons, former Blue Jays manager, is in town right now. And Scott Moyer and Tessa Virtue are going to be there. Lots of great people at the head table. And I love what they've done with the table of honor this year. They really have identified people in this community who might not otherwise get the recognition they deserve. And they are getting that recognition. Uh, Corporal Andrew Nisley is going to be there. Uh, Pete Shepard, who is a race car driver. Kyle Dawson of the London Nationals. Carson Lumley, who's a pitcher with the London Badgers. Garrett Holmes, who is a member of the Junior Mustangs. Then you've got Mackenzie Ferguson, who's a member of the Western Mustang football team. April Clark, Player of the Year, Western Women's Hockey Team. Cleveland Brownlee, who is Mr. London Major. Janelle Albert, who was named OCAA Player of the Year and then helped Fanshawe to capture a CCAA bronze medal, the national championships. And Zach Albert, who is Janelle's brother, is a member of the men's volleyball team, and they captured national gold. So it's great to see all of them getting recognition. And that's coming up later on tonight at the London Convention Center. And we will certainly have all kinds of tales and stories from that on London Live tomorrow. I wish our next tale was just that. I wish it was just a story. I wish it wasn't reality, but it is, and it's a very sad reality, and it's unfortunately a repetitive reality. We received word earlier this morning in the 980 CFPL newsroom that there had been another inmate found dead at the Elgin Middlesex Detention Center. And immediately you look and you think, no, really? And then you look into it, and yes, it is true. And joining us to talk about that right now is London lawyer with Mackenzie Lake, Mr. Kevin Egan. Kevin, thanks so much for taking some time for us today. Hi, Mike. What do we know about this particular case so far, even though it seems to be very, very early on in everything? Yeah, I, I don't have uh, a whole lot of information to add to, to what you've already said at this point. Um, I can tell you that, that some of the other bereaved families, people who have lost loved ones at EMDC, were actually on the premises yesterday uh, when the ambulances and, and fire uh, trucks arrived. Uh, so um, I was given a heads up pretty early that, that something was going on, and um, I was very disappointed to learn this morning that, that someone else had died at EMDC. Is there word as to when this individual was found dead at the Elgin Middlesex Detention Center? Um, no, I don't know whether they actually arrived and died at the hospital or whether they died at EMDC, but it was, as I understand it, late afternoon yesterday. What do you make of this when you, when you hear this? Because you've dealt with so many of these cases now. Yeah. Well, it's heartbreaking, you know, first of all, um, for the family, uh, for the other inmates who who watch someone that they're living with die in front of them, for the correctional officers who witness it. And, and you know, I, I think it's a sad comment on society as a whole that we 
are leaving people out there to die or, or to um, encounter other fates uh, when we should be running an institution that helps to rehabilitate and reintegrate people. Mackenzie Lake lawyer Kevin Egan joining us as we talk about the latest death at the Elgin Middlesex Detention Center. Kevin, could we look around at other similar institutions in the province and find similar stories if we went to another city and we said, okay, what is happening at your similar corrections facility? And would they tell similar stories about deaths, or is this something that is becoming pretty unique to EMDC? No, unfortunately, it's not unique to EMDC. Um, Just last year, I did an inquest uh, in Hamilton in regard to eight overdose deaths there. Uh, We continue to see deaths coming out of Hamilton in particular, which is a very similar kind of setup to EMDC. They both were built in the 1970s. They both are vastly overcrowded. They're understaffed, and and the community drug problems have have migrated into the institution. Um, you know, we see in other institutions like Toronto South, there's a there's a lot of violence against correctional officers. But um, so each institution has its own characteristics. But EMDC has not only a drug problem but a violence problem, which is primarily inmate-on-inmate violence. Now, in this particular case, have we heard anything about the cause of death of this particular individual? No, um, I don't know um, at this point what the cause of death is, uh, whether it's an overdose, whether it's violence, or even natural causes. I, I don't know at this point. Kevin, can you take us through what happens when something like this takes place, what are the steps and stages that are next in a case like this? Well, unfortunately, very little happens quickly. Um, presently, in fact, uh, as just before I picked up the phone to speak to you, I was writing to the chief coroner of Ontario because we have deaths that occurred out there in 2015 for which an inquest hasn't yet been scheduled. So the families of those bereaved, uh, the bereaved families of those individuals are still waiting for answers about the circumstances of their loved one's death, almost four years later. And then we go through a, an inquest process that is somewhat cathartic for the families. They get to find out the circumstances of what happened. And then a jury who's devoted their time and energy in in listening to the evidence, uh, makes recommendations to the province to effect change so that similar deaths don't occur in the future. And unfortunately, what happens is the province delays in responding to the recommendations and very frequently just outright rejects them with any real rationale for doing so. You know, one one of the problems is that there aren't people watching the inmates in order to respond to, to someone who's in distress and, and save their life. Um, there's at least four jury inquests now that have recommended that the video cameras that are installed at EMDC actually be monitored in real time so that when somebody's in distress, they can intervene quickly. And we've seen now that the government refuses to do that for no good reason. And this is not the first time we've heard this, and it makes as little sense 
every single time that statement is made, and you've just made it again, that, hey, we should have people watching these monitors, and then the government says no. Has there been any reasoning in behind that you've heard ever? In in response to the Jamie High inquest, the government said that the cameras are better suited for figuring out what happened after the fact, uh, which is, is just an astounding answer. Uh, obviously, they can be used for finding out what happened after the fact, but when you've got a preventive tool and refuse to use it, I think that's completely negligent. Yeah, that, that in itself sounds criminal. If you can prevent a crime and you do not prevent a crime, usually in the in the world of law, there's an issue, isn't there? Yeah, I, I think there, there's uh, going to be an issue with uh, with all of these deaths uh, for which we're waiting for an inquest now. This makes 10 deaths at EMDC for which we haven't even had an inquest. And that's just because they seem to take so long to even get to a point of inquest. Is there a reason why that is, do you think? I I really think that, that it comes down to, to resources, that... Uh, because inmates are stigmatized, there are no votes in 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 dedicating resources to to uh, the conditions at EMDC or to um, you know moving ahead in in trying to find out the causes of deaths and and preventing further ones. I think it's a matter of political will. And, and unfortunately, you know, even though we've changed governments and even though we had a critic of, of EMDC whose who's actual, actually EMDC is in his writing, and he used to complain vociferously about the conditions at EMDC, he's now a member of, of a majority government, and we don't hear a peep out of him. So... You know, it it really is a a political problem. It's a social problem, and and um, you know, it's a moral problem. That that these people are are disadvantaged. Primarily, they're they're disadvantaged from from the time that they're children. More than half of them were abused as children. Recent recent studies have shown that they fall through the cracks. And then we warehouse them in places like this. We actually school them in crime and release them back out on the street where they commit more crimes and they go back in. It just doesn't make any fiscal sense either. If we actually invested in rehabilitating and reintegrating these individuals or habilitating and integrating them, because some of them never really have been integrated, if we spent that effort, Eventually, we would actually save money, but instead, there, this madness continues. So we're looking for a champion of this issue. To get something done, oftentimes you need a champion of an issue. We're looking for someone who can actually get in there and will make a difference. We don't seem to have that right now, and because of that, here we are talking about another death at Elgin Middlesex Detention Center. Kevin, thank you so much for your time and your work on this. Thank you for the opportunity to speak about it. It's Kevin Egan, London lawyer with Mackenzie Lake. And I feel for Kevin as well. You feel for the family, but he has been representing so many individuals in cases like these for a very long time. And yet 
you don't have anything happening. And he's right. When you've got somebody who is pointing fingers one minute and then you get into power and your finger goes away, why is that? Like that 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 can't be. That's that's not right. That right there is not right. So what do we do? I don't know. No one's had a solution when it does take a long time. We have asked people on London Live, how would we change things? And you do have to look at the way the judicial system works at how these people are being put through the system. And that's one of the things that you could change, but it's not easy. You can't just walk in and say, yeah, the way that we have been working this particular system of the law, about that, uh, we're going to change it. And here's the way it's going to work now. And everything you've known about this particular part of the system is now not happening. This is going to be all new. Uh, You'll have a training session later this afternoon from 1 to 4 p.m. Please report to it. Don't forget to sign in. There will be refreshments. Now, that's not going to happen. That's not the way that things work. And sure, the government's going to be reluctant to throw money at something. But if it is something as simple as having monitors monitored, I don't know what the issue is. That doesn't take much. That takes bodies, yes. But we're not talking about having to pay people a half million dollars a year each to do that. We're not talking millions and millions and millions of dollars. We're not talking exorbitant amounts of money. And if it is going to help, well, then great. I mean, how does the government look at this? Well, you know, we if we don't have people who are staying there, if we have fewer people staying there, whether they die or get released, oh, that's, that's just making it easier for the facility to run. That's the wrong way to look at things. Or, well, by the time you get from the monitor to the cell... You know, you can't do it that way. You can't have it happening that way. This is about stopping something before it gets to the point that we've seen it at. And if it is a drug issue, and we do have, we've had drug issues in prisons forever. Here, let me, let me take you inside Kingston Penitentiary when it was operational. If you talked to a guard there, They would tell you that many inmates, they didn't want to say all of them, but many inmates, if they felt that putting something into their body was going to get them high for two seconds, they were in because they were bored. So if it meant melting something down and putting it into their body by way of some kind of crude syringe, they're in. They're doing it. So there has been a drug problem forever because boredom is something that you absolutely battle in prison. Now, if we're talking about the Elgin Middlesex Detention Center, we're not talking about life sentences. We're not talking about people who are there for 10 years at a time. But we are talking about people who are there for months. Absolutely. And things can get really, really Boring and things are overcrowded, and sometimes things can get downright dangerous. And there are drugs. All of these things are not new news, and all of these things are still not being addressed. And no one seems to know why. Every once in a while, we get the little tour. Some government official will come down to take a nice tour, and they'll make sure it's a big media event. And then you wait for something to happen, and it doesn't happen. And as Kevin points out, and we're not going to name names here. But Kevin's right. 
You had somebody who used to point fingers who's now in a position of power. They're not pointing fingers anymore. They're not doing anything with their own fingers. Let's take a break. This is London Live on Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. We're going to talk marijuana. What does the inside of a marijuana store look like? I'm picturing rows of drying plants. I'm picturing hemp clothing for sale. For some reason, I'm picturing at least chips around the cash register. Is that wrong? Yes. Yes, that is wrong. I've seen pictures of what it actually is, and none of those things exists in the marijuana store that opened today. They were supposed to have 25 open around the province, but as we've seen with all of this, and I know it's it's like kicking somebody who's down maybe, but this has been the same thing over and over and over again. October 17th, it rolls out and everything was incomplete and online orders were a problem, and now today 25 places are supposed to open and... Only 10 opened, and there have been issues here and there. Nothing nothing crazy, nothing bad, but it just it hasn't been a smooth rollout. Maybe it couldn't be. Maybe that's the real story of it all. Maybe it couldn't be. But we'll talk with 980 CFPL reporter Lenny Lambrink. Also want to talk license plate slogans. Friendly Manitoba is taken, so we can't have that on our Ontario license plates. But I don't want to have what's being rumored, that's for sure. If you haven't heard what that is, stick around. We have news coming up next. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL. About a half hour ago, I asked you for some help. We have London playing Guelph in the second round of the OHL playoffs. And we're looking for a little friendly wager. Now, this hasn't been guaranteed yet because it has to be accepted on the Guelph Storm side, but I'm in. London and Guelph's radio teams are owned by the same parent company, Chorus Radio. So what would a wager be between London radio guy, that's me, and Guelph radio guy, a guy named Larry Malott? Well, we've had some... Had some suggestions. We had some right off the bat. Uh, One was a full body wax that came from Craig. And I asked, well, how about like neck down to to the waist? And Craig said, no, 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 full body. And I said, won't that hurt? He goes, I want to find out. So we have that one on the board. Uh, Let's see. Sean said, and this one got really creative. Sean said, the loser has to wear a sandwich board and an intersection saying, I love, and then the other team's name, for however many hours the team loses by in games in the series. For instance, if the team is swept, you have to do it for four hours. If the team loses four to two, it's two hours. If it goes seven games, it would only be one hour. Okay. All right. And and we would wear this to work? I don't know. Sean didn't say. Uh, and an intersection out in public, downtown London, downtown Guelph. I don't know. So we'll have to work that out. Sean, if you can add to any of that, yeah, that, that's one that'll definitely go in the pile. Uh, Kicks. Is this, didn't, wasn't there a Kicks in Brooks and Dunn? Kicks Brooks? Is this Kicks Brooks? I don't know. Kicks says, uh, shave the other team's logo into the side of your head. 
Okay, all right, I'm willing to do that. Uh, he also gave a second option, tattoo the other team's logo on your forehead. I think I'm going to cross that one off, Kix, if that's okay. We'll just we'll go with the first idea. Is that all right? Uh, let's, let's remember this is just the second round. Uh, what else do we have here? Um, Mary says, make a charitable donation of a certain amount. Okay. All right. I don't mind that one. Uh, then we have some Jersey ideas. We have one from Kathy that says, uh, loser wears Jersey from the winning team. And then Jude is kind of extended on that. Losing broadcaster calls 10 minutes of the next home game next year, dressed in the home Jersey of the winning team. And I like what Jude says, AKA the Knights. Huh? If you have any ideas that do not involve tattooing onto foreheads, or really tattooing at all, it's the second round. Um, No tattooing. Shaving I have no problem with. Public embarrassment and public shaming, I have no problem with that. Uh, But if you have any ideas, you can email mike at 980cfpl.ca. And you can give us a call and explain what it is if you'd like to as well at 519-643-2222. Looking for just ideas on a friendly wager. You should know that from an earlier meeting, shave head, shave eyebrows, and full face paint done by a professional face painter are also there. I don't mind the face paint one. I think if I had to vote right now, especially since Craig suggested full body wax and because Sean's suggestion could take a long time, I yeah, I'll go, I'll go full face paint. I'll see. I've thrown it out there for Larry. He hasn't accepted this yet, so all of this may be for naught, but let's be ready for it. Email your suggestions, mike at 980cfpl.ca. You can tweet me at stubs980, or you can certainly give us a call, 519-643-2222. What does the inside of a pot shop look like? We're going to find out. That's next. This is Global News Radio, 980 CFPL. Okay, we got a couple suggestions from at least one, maybe two owls. Uh, first suggestion, and if you're just joining us, this is London Live. I'm Mike Stubbs. Thanks to Matt McKinnis for passing a lot of these on. Uh, we're looking for a, a friendly wager that does not risk death. Public shaming is okay. Um, you know, damaging my body in ways that you're removing hair, that's okay. Not most other things. There's no keel hauling that will not be happening. Uh, But no, just what should we do in a London versus Guelph second round hockey series between two broadcasters? Al said, here's here's the thing. Uh, The loser of the bet should announce a game for the other announcer. So the other announcer gets a night off. Al, you know what? It's going to sound weird like this, but... We like our jobs so much, it would actually be more punishment if the other guy announced for us if if we lost. So if you lose, you don't get to announce a game. That's that's kind of how our business works. Does that sound weird? That you really like doing the job that much that the punishment would not be, you know, uh, having to do double the games. It would be not being able to do a game. So, I yeah, I'll write that one down. Uh <laughs> Loser doesn't get to do one of his games. And because we work for the same parent company, we could probably make that one work. Okay. I don't want that one. I don't want that one at all. Uh, And Al also said, uh, or a different Al, I'm not sure which, you would have to take a Guelph Storm flag if you lost and lay it out at center ice in Guelph and bow down to it. 
Okay, you know, that's that's kind of the, the public shaming thing. I'm going to put that one on the list. That certainly is there. Whew. All right, these are these are better ideas than anything I could have come up with, that's for sure. Please keep being creative if you have any other thoughts. Email Mike at 980cfpl.ca. And most of these are not as shameful as I thought they would be. I haven't seen anything with public nudity yet. I firmly expected. And this, hey, this this is not a shot at you. I just thought we would get at least one where somebody would say, no pants, down Richmond, go. I I haven't seen that. And I'm happy about that because I don't want to do that. to tell you. And I think it's illegal. So we probably shouldn't do that. We'll see what we come up with. First, we have to get Larry to agree. If anybody knows Larry, get on the phone. Uh, another email that's come in from James, and James says, if Guelph loses, Larry would go on the Taz and Jim show to take a ribbing for a half an hour. If you lose, you go to a similar station in Guelph and take a ribbing for a half hour. I like that. I like that because I'd want to hear that. That would be fun. Okay, keep them coming. Let's talk marijuana. It is now legal to buy marijuana at one store in London, and that kind of began earlier today. And our own Lenny Lambrink was there at the time and was able to report on everything that was going on at Oxford and Wonderland in London. And we're lucky enough to have Lenny Lambrink in studio with us right now. Now, Lenny, you were there, but you weren't alone, were you? I was very far from being alone there. There was a, a massive lineup outside. Um, keeping in mind, you know, we thought the store was going to open at nine o'clock. Um, and so there were some, there was like a solid maybe group of, uh, I'm going to ballpark say like 60, 75 people when Wait the store. Minute. Yeah. 60 or yeah. 75. That's way more than I thought. Yeah. That was at around nine o'clock when we were like expecting it to open. And then by the, uh, by the time I left about an hour and a bit later, uh, I think the line had grown even more because once they started letting people in, it was a very controlled process, right? Just like a couple of people in at a time. So. Is it going to be a sharp nine o'clock opening in the future or is this kind of going along with the lifestyle? Eh, may open at nine, some mornings 9.15, some days come by at one. My sense was that it was not, uh, it had nothing to do with uh, lifestyle. It, okay. it had everything to do with uh, one more uh, document, one piece of paper that they needed from the city. I think there, I think it was a... Uh, an occupancy permit that they needed and they were told they were going to get it right at nine and then it didn't come until a little bit later and they just wanted to you know the uh, the owner chris comrie wanted to be very you know he wanted to make sure he was doing everything right and uh so there you go Good they stuff. opened at 9 30 yeah. leany lambrick 980 cfpl reporter you got a chance to go inside we have pictures that you can find. You can find some on our 980CFPL Twitter feed. You can find some on Laney's Twitter feed. What did you see when you walked in the door? Is it well lit? Is it dark? What's it look like? Uh, it is very well lit. It's very beautiful. It's like aesthetically pleasing and modern. Um, yeah, so it's it's like this big open space. And I mean, they only really sell cannabis and, and uh, the the different methods of, of smoking it, essentially, right? So like, there's not a lot of product. And so that's why you have like this big kind of open space. Um, and then everything is on the walls. Um, so there is uh, there are two counters along kind of the, the far wall and then the far on the, the wall on the right. And so that's where you would like interact with people and make your order and where they would bring your order for you. And uh, there's some glass cases there. But um, all of the, the cannabis strains, not all of them, because I know that 
that they sell more than 100 different kinds of cannabis strains. Um, so there definitely weren't 100 lining the walls. But um, yeah, there's like these little canisters, little clear little pods, kind of like the science experiment type Oh, petri dish, actual, yeah, something like that with a lid, and uh, it's a, like it's 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 almost like you're like on an electronic store where you can like look at the nice electronic and it's like attached to the wall with like this cord. Really? So it's like that. You can grab the you can grab the little container and look at it and smell it. There's like a little um a rubbery kind of like latchy thing on on the top. You can just lift that up and smell it. Um, and I mean because of that, I mean the store smelled like it didn't smell like pot at all. It was just a beautiful, sleek. Uh, some of us media folk were talking about how it kind of seemed like a like a Mac store because the uh, the employees all had like iPads and they would like come and approach you and talk to you <laughs> while they're holding this iPad. So yeah, it was it was interesting. So it was like being at Apple, but instead of looking at iPads and phones, you're looking at strains of cannabis. Yeah, and I think some would argue, you know, the price point's about the same. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, the reaction of some of the people in line, excited to be there, was this about being there the first day or is this maybe a daily occurrence for some of them? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know if you'd want to make it your daily occurrence, especially if you're not like, especially for, for the first guy, because he came all the way from Godrich to mm. be there. Um, but he was really excited. And for him, it was definitely about being the first in line. He was very passionate about, uh, you could tell, like I had my first kind of conversation with him as, as I walked in a little bit earlier than everybody else. And I knew from that convo that he wanted to be, uh, the first person to make a purchase. And he was, uh, they let him in right. Like he was, it was controlled. They were like, yes, you will be the first customer. And so he bought uh, three and a half grams of kosher kush, and he bought three and a half grams of wapa. <laughs> and wapa comes from the same producer that he works for in the Concordant area. So he was like kind of passionate about being able to like buy the stuff that he's been handling for the past couple months. And a lot of what's being said is this is safe. Right. This is marijuana that is safe. So that's one of the drawing cards. We'll see how the price point ends up working out. Laney, thank you for describing exactly what things looked like and smelled like this morning. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Lenny Lambring, 980 CFPL reporter. We'll take a break. We'll come back and talk a little bit more because price point is the key. That's what we've heard. That's what you've told us. That's what we've heard from everybody. And, you know, it's... It's a choice that you sometimes have in in certain situations. And I'm not sure we can draw a direct correlation between much. But if you were going to go downhill skiing and you were told this is going to keep you safe right here, this thing, you take this with you and you could get it, you know, from one guy. Maybe maybe we look at it as a helmet. Maybe you have a really good helmet and you have a helmet that's okay. Where if you fall, eh, no guarantees, but you have a really good helmet. Are you going to pay a little bit more for the really good helmet to ensure safety? Because is that not what we're looking at in all of this? Because price point is more. So what is taking away the black market in all of this? That's been the biggest question. All right, let's take a break. We'll discuss more of that in just a moment. This is London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. Lots of fun happening tonight as we have the London Sports Celebrity Dinner and Auction in support of the Thames Valley Children's Center. Ray Bork in town, John Gibbons in town, 
And if you do not have a ticket, we always say this every year, make sure you get yourself to this dinner because you see a side of people. John Gibbons will probably be a great example. I don't know John Gibbons at all. We've never met, never talked, but you tend to see a side of people like that that you don't necessarily expect. Now, John Gibbons is probably a guy who is as real in any media interview because this guy would hold court. I always loved John Gibbons after games, especially on the road. He'd be in the road manager's office because you get a spot. If you're on a team, you're a coach of a team, there is a place that you get to go in every road building, and that's your little office. And you, that's where you get to be. And when you leave, the next team's guy comes in and they have their little office. So I always loved when he would sit in the little office and he would just hold court. And it, would, it looked so comfortable. It looked like that had been his desk since childhood. He'd just be leaning on the desk and, yeah, well, we did this. We tried this. This worked, but this didn't. So you always see a great side of somebody. So John Gibbons will be there tonight. Ray Bork will be there. Scott Moyer and Tessa Virtue are going to be there. They are on their way right now, so they're due to be in London very, very soon as they continue to live incredibly busy schedules. And then, again, a great collection of star-studded stories from the London area who will be honored tonight at the Table of Honor. We've got some London Knights, some London Lightning in attendance, and that takes place at the Convention Center this evening. Hey, we were talking April Fool's jokes earlier on, and we did get a little something about an issue that took place with an April Fool's joke. And one that, you know, as you might imagine, didn't work out all that well. So uh, I'm, I'm just getting details on this, and, and we'll see if we can. You know what was almost an, an April Fool's joke? Uh, opening day in Major League Baseball. Did you see that they – everybody's trying to go paperless now. If you go to, let's say, an NFL game, Lions game is a perfect example. You've got the Flash Score app that you have to use, and your tickets come by way of that, so you have to bring your phone. you got to make sure your phone is charged and all that stuff, or you won't get into the game. Well, they had an app for Major League Baseball, and they had a horrible time in some spots because the app failed. And because of that, you had people lined up, but they couldn't get in. A lot of times because it crashed because nobody was expecting this number of people to be waltzing in at the same time. So um, they wound up, you know, admitting some people well into the fourth inning because of this. The other thing that is definitely not an April Fool's joke is the fact that gas prices have risen, could continue to rise. And the one prediction, I don't know if you've seen this, Dan McTagg was on the Craig, the Craig Needle Show last week, and he was talking about drivers in Metro Vancouver perhaps paying as much as a buck sixty-five. I think Vancouver has the record in Canada right now, which is $1.63.9 a litre, that they might be able to break that this summer. And... You know, that's, that's that's a reason not to go to Vancouver, unfortunately. Okay, here is the April Fool's joke that didn't quite work out too well that somebody tried this morning. They say that if you write anything, if you post anything, you should never read the comments, right? You've heard that? Because people will tear into you. Uh, somebody posted 
on, I'm not even sure which site it was, but they said that no straight white males are allowed to post anymore in the comments section. That's what they tried today. I think it was uh, through the, the Metro in the UK that they tried this. And that created quite a stink, and their phone lines lit up all morning, and they had to take the phone calls and say, April Fool's! I think we're in a lull. I think April Fool's is at a point where, where we're in a lull for good April Fool's jokes. We are about out of time. Enjoy tonight. Remember, we've got Blue Jays baseball coming up for you at 7 o'clock. We've got news on the way next with Jacqueline LaBelle and Matthew Trevithick. London Sports Celebrity Dinner and Auction is getting underway a little later on this evening, so do enjoy that if you have tickets, and we'll be back to do this again tomorrow. We'll talk some women's hockey tomorrow. London Live brought to you by Courtesy Ford Lincoln at 684 Warncliffe Road South. Stop in, pay them a visit. This is Global News Radio 980 CFPL.